Hello, and welcome to the Urban Dharma NC podcast. In this sixth of a seven-part series, Dorje Lopan Dr. Hanlai teaches about the bardo, or intermediate state between death and birth, through an exploration of Padmasambhava's root verses of the six bardos. This text is part of the great liberation upon hearing, revealed by Karma Lingpa, often known in the West as the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Urban Dharma is a Buddhist temple in the heart of Asheville, North Carolina. We are supported by your generosity and by our online store, TibetanSpirit.com. To learn more about us, come visit our temple in person or look us up online at UdharmaNC.com. Thanks for listening. The fourth bardo is perhaps the bardo that we normally think of. Because now is the dying, right? And this is the main. Uh, originally, the word bardo is applied to this next three bardos. Right? Uh, actually, the, originally the bardo is applied to bardo fifth and sixth. Uh, but in this case, uh, the concept of bardo has been used as a way of looking at every moment of our lives, because in a way. Bardo means what? In between. So in a way, at any moment that we are alive, it's an in-between. It's in between two points. It's always in between. Only Buddhas are not in between. (laughs) Because Buddhas don't abide anywhere. Buddhas don't come, Buddhas don't go, and Buddhas don't abide. And so... That's the only way to not be in between. As long as you are abiding anywhere, then you're always going to be in between. When you have achieved the non-abiding state, then that is when there's no in between. However, the in between, uh, don't consider the in between to be inherently problematic. Because here, the main teaching that is given to us is, in any of these in-betweens, liberation is possible. Liberation is possible. Freedom from confusion is possible. So let's look at the fourth one. Uh, So let's read uh, the fourth one together. Kema, now as the bardo of dying dawns upon me, I will cast aside all attachments, clinging and fixation, and instead enter the path of remembering the instructions undistractedly. My mind in the non-arising expanse of space, and when I'm about to separate from the material body of flesh and blood, I will know it to be impermanent, magical illusion. So that's what we have to train. Uh, to train to view this material body of flesh and blood to be impermanent magical illusion. Magical illusion means, uh, it doesn't mean that uh, there's nothing at all. It means that whatever is seen is just temporary. Uh, just temporary. So a great magician can conjure up you know, images, uh, just like great technology can conjure up images on a screen. But whatever we see on the television screen, it's not like these people are in there walking around. 
It's just a projection. So if we can begin to relate to this, to this as a projection, because we associate too much with this, because we think this is I, then whatever happens to this affects us greatly. The more we don't consider this as I, <laughs> then the less we're going to be troubled by this. And this is the nature of this to disintegrate. Because whatever is composite will disintegrate. No choice. Uh, really no choice. So the less we are burdened by this, the more free we become. The more free we become. How do we do that? We suspend our mind in the non-arising expanse of space. So we have to find, where is this non-arising expanse of space? Where is this expanse, this, this great spaciousness? This great spaciousness is nowhere else except to be found in our own minds. And once we have found it, then we can just suspend or rest the mind in nature of mind. Not I, not me, not mine. You can start with that. Not me, not mine, not I. I think you have heard me say many times uh, that it's a slight uh, mistranslation to translate anatman or anatta as no soul. No soul. It's, a, it's not such an ideal translation. Sometimes uh, we say, Buddha taught that there is no soul. Actually, Buddha did not teach that there is no soul. But what the Buddha did teach is anatta, or in Sanskrit, anatman. Anatta or anatman means not-self not self and so it's uh, it was taught to us as a method as an upaya as a method as a skillful method as a noble strategy as um, Ajahn Tanisara likes to put it that way as a noble strategy to relinquish dukkha. So rather than it being a philosophy, no soul. Because once you turn it into a philosophy, no soul, then you have to uh, defend. Ah, no soul, how rebirth, ha? Huh? <laughs> That's usually the next question. Huh? No soul, ha? Huh? Now then, how rebirth, ha? Huh? <laughs> then you run into problems. But if you understand that anatta is not about no soul. In fact, Buddha is, was not concerned about whether soul or no soul. Buddha was concerned about self. 
So it says not self. With regards to everything that we experience, have an understanding of not self. This is 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 not self. So far, all of this very easy. Of course, not self. But if I own this, which is, by the way, very nice to own, I think, then it's harder to say not self. If someone walks near to it, if a little child walks near to it, don't break it. Yeah. Then it's, it's, it has become an extension of self. So what Buddha taught in terms of our training the mind is to train to see the process of self-making. The process of self-making. Because actually there's... You cannot find. If you go looking for the self, you cannot find it. But what does happen is the process of self-making. Ahankara in Sanskrit. Ahankara is the process of self-making. And if we don't understand how this process works, then we are always going to be tricked by it. So, the meditation, uh, there are some meditation traditions that say, focus on, of all of the five skandhas, focus on which one? Mental formation. Because there is the easiest to see uh, how the sense of self is produced. So if you focus on mental formations, you will see easier where the, the lie is, the trick is. So basically, Buddha's teaching, uh, the basic approach to freeing ourselves from confusion is to see the process of self-making, the ahankara process. When we can see the process of self-making, then we can see that self is a fiction invented from moment to moment. And then if there is no self, or if it is not self, then there is no bearer of suffering. Does it mean by, if, if we don't attach to the thing, there is no suffering for us, anything happen More than that, actually. It's not saying don't attach. It's saying, uh, okay, it's true. One, one strategy of the Buddha's teaching is say don't attach. But that is a temporary solution. You know? That is a temporary solution. You walk into the ENO buffet. Don't attach, don't attach. Wow! Don't attach, don't attach. Don't attach, don't attach. Don't attach, don't attach. You know, then every time, right, becoming a Buddhist is very inconvenient. Little bit ma huan. Yes. You walk into a nice place, don't attach, don't attach. Don't attach, don't attach. <laughs> Sometimes that, that is the strategy. But a more 
long-term solution is to pay attention to how does attachment arise? Because that is the process of self-making. I want. So I want, right? I want what? I fill in the blanks. The, the, the kindergarten approach is to show you what you want is actually not worth wanting. So that's the meditation on the Asuba meditation. Impurity meditation. Go to a cemetery, meditate on the body rotting away. Then you will give, supposedly, if you do that, then your lusting of human bodies will be reduced. That is actually, yes, Buddha did teach that, but that's more kindergarten. Because I want, right? I want uh, who is supposed to be desirable these days? I don't know these names. Uh, give a name. Who is supposed to be very desirable? Actors or actresses? Uh. <laughs> I want uh, maybe this group I can say Marilyn Monroe you all remember right I want Marilyn Monroe so the the kindergarten stage is to say now you have to imagine Marilyn Monroe getting older and older and older (laughs) then now worms are crawling out of her face hair is all falling apart then what is it to want more uh, a more grown up spiritually approach to that is no need to turn Marilyn Monroe into a corpse. But to analyze, what is this want? Where does this want come from? Then even more uh, advanced, uh, more mature is, who is this I that wants? So no need to hit the object but hit the subject. So we say this is a superior way to deal with. So in fact, we say, all objects of the six senses don't cause any problems. It's the the eye that causes the problem. But that eye actually don't exist. That eye is always being produced. So if you can watch the process of how the eye is being produced, then then it has very little power over you. And so here, suspending my mind or resting my mind in a non-arising expanse of space is actually another way of saying When you can see that there is no I there that remains permanent and stable, but instead, any sense of I is necessarily momentary, being produced in the moment. Then, you know, you can walk into any situation 
and not have any problems. You can enjoy your buffet with no problems. Here, as the bother of dying dawns upon me, I will cast aside all attachments, clinging, and fixation. Because those are the causes of suffering. See, when we die, if we feel that who am I? Oh, I am this, this body, these clothes, all these stuff. Right? Then because when death comes, you cannot take. So then you feel like you, uh, you, you have to leave behind all these things. But if you train right now to see, all these things are actually not mine. This is all just rented. And just clear them. Then when the time comes, like, you know, hey, time for the next journey. This is all things that are tying me down. Release them. So they say, you know, actually, if, you know, someone can accurately predict you have this much more time, it's good news. Then you can start taking care of all these things and say, okay, finish. Finish, 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 finish. Done. Now, here also is where um, we are, in, in these teachings on the bardo, here is also where details about how the dying process occurs. So here it says, right? Uh, it says, um, and instead enter the path of remembering the instructions undistractedly. Here it's not just general instructions not to cling, not to be attached, to be free. Not, not just these general instructions. Here it's actually talking about instructions about what to expect when death is starting to happen. So they have very precise uh, instructions on what to expect. So you want a preview of that? Yes? No? Yes. Yes? Good. <laughs> Because like it or not, I'm going to be talking. <laughs> you can block your ears. You know? Because some people believe if they learn about it, it will happen. <laughs> if I don't hear about it, then it won't happen. This is like that ostrich again. You just stick your head in the sand. If you cannot see your enemies, then there's no enemy. There's no enemy. <laughs> So here are the uh, explanations, right? Mm. First, um, our physical body, so there is Nama Rupa, right? So, so basically, body and mind, Nama Rupa. Nama is uh, the mental part, the mind part, and Rupa is the form part. So when we ask, you know, what do we have here? We have Namarupa as the two components. 
huh? mind and body. So what happens at death is uh, this mind and body that have been uh, put together and has remained together within this lifetime, now it's starting to uh, dissolve. Cannot stay together anymore. <laughs> Not enough karma uh, to keep it together. So it, they will start... Uh, all the screws will come undone. <laughs> so not only screw Lujilia, uh, but every single screw <laughs> is undoing. Right? So first we, 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 we consider uh, the physical side. So the physical side basically, there are five elements. Four plus the element of space. Sometimes space is not considered an element because it has no parts. Space is partless. So that's a partless element. But the element with parts is are the four. What are the four? Earth, water, fire, and wind. Earth, water, fire, and wind are the four elements. These are the elements that provide solidity, earth, fluidity, fire, uh, 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 water, heat, fire, and then uh, wind is movement, mobility, movement, and space is that which makes uh, it possible. Because there's space, then these other elements can exist. So these are the five elements. Mm. Then, uh, according to the Buddha. Uh, when our physical universe first came together, of course, before this universe, there's other universes. So each universe, in our universe in particular, when it first came together, space appeared first. Then from within space, yeah, uh, the other elements came together, and then finally, uh, the physical universe was produced. Likewise, uh, in a human being, uh, these elements also come together in the same way. First, there's space. Then, uh, the elements of. Then, in reverse, the most subtle from space is wind. Uh, then, from wind is uh, fire. Fire, then water, then water, then earth. Right? Uh, so, basically, uh, death begins, uh, and so within a, within a human body, right? Uh, those are the four elements. Then, aside from the four elements, you have energy. Uh, energy is called uh, in Sanskrit prana. Prana, and prana is also unfortunately also translated as wind. But this wind prana is different from Vayu, which is the wind element. The wind element, the Sanskrit is Vayu. Vayu is wind. The other thing that we're talking about that we call prana, or this energy, is also translated as wind. But this is in Chinese, qi. So qi is a life force, or prana, or lung. This lung in Tibetan uh, are the winds that keep
keep our elements together. They are the things that tie them together. Uh, in the Abhidhamma, uh, there is discussion about these winds. So there is the five root winds and the five uh, subsidiary winds. So this is already discussed in the Abhidhamma. Then in the medical tradition, in India, in Tibet, they talk about these winds. So, um, so what happens is these winds in terms of prana has the main role in establishing, maintaining, and building up the body. Yeah? So these elements are held together, tied together by these winds. These winds also first produce uh, the, um, what we call um, the uh, channels uh, and the centers or the chakras within our body. Also the chakras and the passageway. The chakras are basically centers. And in the center are all these uh, uh, channels that spread out, go out from the channels. So there are four main channels. Navel channel, heart channel, throat channel, and crown channel. These are the four main ones. There are many other uh, centers uh, or nodes uh, in which uh, these channels extend out of these central uh, chakras. Right? Uh, when these winds in these channels become agitated, uh, disturbed, uh, agitated, that is when we have disease. Ordinarily. So all kinds of diseases are basically uh, these winds uh, getting messed up. Getting messed up. Mm, then in the Tibetan medical system, from these winds, there are two more energies uh, that have different names. Uh, the names are like Beken and, uh, and Chippa. Lung, Beken, Tripa are the three energies. But they're all related to the, the Lung, the, the wind. So these winds, when they are not in balance, and then when these winds or these energies get blocked in the channels, that's also illness. That also manifests as illness. Then when the winds are completely in chaos, that is the beginning of death. Then, when the winds are beginning to get all chaotic, uh, it will first affect the navel chakra. Huh? The navel chakra. The navel chakra. Um,
is also the first chakra to form at conception. So, because it's the first chakra to form, uh, that's also where it starts to dissolve. This is when we're actively dying. So when the navel chakra uh, begins to collapse, uh, that means the, the energy center in the navel is no longer functioning correctly, so it's imploding. It's, it's kind of pulling in. And when that navel chakra dissolves, um, this is also the earth element dissolving. When the earth element dissolves, certain things are experienced. And so at this first stage of dissolution, uh, there are uh, the inner sign, there is the outer sign, the inner sign, and the secret sign. Secret doesn't mean I cannot tell you, because I will tell you. <laughs> it also doesn't mean if I to tell you, I have to kill you. Because then it will be very bad. Secret here means the more subtle sign. Whenever in Vajrayana they say secret, they mean the most essential points. It doesn't mean you know, CIA or FBI or KGB secret. It doesn't mean uh, OSA secret. <laughs> but that's OSA. <laughs> if, you, if you reveal it, the Dharma Palace will come and capture you. No, it doesn't mean that. Uh, the outer sign uh, is that the body becomes very heavy. This is when the earth element becomes dominant at first and then it dissolves. Because all this energy has entered. So when I said the, the winds, right, the prana becoming chaotic, it, it's also them folding in. As they fold into the earth element, then the outer sign is the dying person will feel that very heavy. And also stiff. Stiff. Um, and um, they are not able to kind of lift their limbs because it's heavy. If you hold their limb up uh, and you let go, it will just fall because it's heavy. Uh, they cannot walk, for example, by themselves because of that heaviness. The inner sign uh, is that uh, the mind becomes uh, uh, dull, unclear, and unstable. Your consciousness seems to be fading and sinking. You're not very aware. And the inner sign can also feel uh, heavy and hot. Heavy and hot. Sometimes at this stage, you might want to take off your clothes because it feels hot. And also, it's a feeling of sinking. So the dying person might ask to uh, have 
a pillow put behind them to kind of prop them up. Huh? Or, or they might try to come, you know, they might try to lift themselves. Because the reason is they're not just trying to lift, huh, to, to sit up. The reason is they're feeling like there's a mountain pushing them down. So when you recognize that, so how you're supposed to practice this is, when you recognize that, then release. Don't panic. Just say, yes, it's normal. I will feel sinking now. Because this is the sign that earth element is dissolving. And then don't fight. Don't fight it. Just. So this is what they mean by remembering the instructions. If you feel like, you know, it, consciousness is unclear and it feels like it's becoming very heavy down, then go, ah, this is earth dissolving. Then release. Relax. The secret sign mm, is um, uh, an experience of mirage. Uh, so everything seems uh, to be flowing and moving. Uh, and things seem kind of distant. That uh, if you can recognize people around you, they seem to be going further and further away. They seem to be becoming like shadows, a mirage. That is uh, the, the secret sign. Uh, and also, uh, things seem uh, hazy and jumping around. That's the earth dissolving into water. Then next, when the water element dissolves, uh, it's the heart chakra that begins to collapse. And as the heart chakra begins to collapse, again, there's the outer, inner, and secret sign. Uh, the external sign um, is that um, the mouth, uh, you can observe from the outside, becomes uh, dry and the nostril becomes dry, everything becomes dry, and, and it's pulling in. So the dying person is like, uh, the mouth is like collapsing. It's, it's, it's kind of falling in. And, and dryness, as earth dissolves into fire. Uh, then the inner sign, uh, Mm, yeah, and also the tongue is difficult to move. Uh, so at this point, uh, to ease that person, uh, you can put, uh, so if you, you're not the person <laughs> dissolving, but you're helping, uh, to give uh, moisture to their mouth or water. Uh, likewise, the feeling of sinking, uh, if you can uh, cool down the room, uh, and also uh, kind of, you know, be very careful when you touch the body. Uh, it can minimize the feeling of being pressed down. So the inner sign of the individual who is experiencing this is that um, it becomes uh, kind of, uh, in the first case, the awareness and, and mental uh, state is kind of hazy. Here, it actually goes between hazy and sharp. Uh, 
It has moments of, of very sharp and very clear. But then what the problem here is that it switches back and forth, then you can become very frustrated. Uh, sometimes very sensitive, sometimes very dull. Uh, sometimes very sensitive and sometimes very dull. And so it goes back and forth irregularly. And so then, because we cannot control that, then we become very angry. But then if you recognize this sign, huh? oh, not only at first it's all becoming blur, blur, blur. Then now, suddenly blur, suddenly clear. Uh, suddenly very hazy, suddenly very sharp. Right? Then instead of getting angry, just know and say, ah, now is the next stage of the solution. And then again, relax. Uh, the secret sign is, they say, uh, kind of mm, mm, smoky. Mm -hmm. You can experience. So before it's a mirage, right? Now it's like it's thick. Huh? It's smoky. Mm. During this time, uh, if you are attending the person dying, uh, it's good to kind of uh, give them assurance that it's okay. Uh, give them assurance. Uh, create a very harmonious environment. Uh, if they, you know, if they, if you know that they are practitioners. Uh, then you can keep reminding them uh, uh, that yes, this is just the next stage of dissolution. Uh, don't don't panic here, uh, but instead meditate on yourself as deity. You can remind them that. Then the fire element now begins to dissolve, and the speech chakra uh, collapses. When the speech chakra collapses and fire dissolves into wind, uh, the external sign is cold. Rather than hot, uh, it's a feeling of cold. Uh, so the dying person will feel very cold. So at this stage, then adding blankets uh, to keep them warm. Uh, and the cold will be from the fingers in. Uh, the heat is uh, collecting in. Uh, and here, uh, the inner sign uh, is that the mind, um, again, uh, becomes blur and unstable. So that, that sharpness from before, now that sharpness is gone. Uh, here, the secret sign is said to be... Um, Kind of lightning bugs flashing. You see these moments of flash, clarity. But it's not the sharpness from before. It's like a glow, 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 glow. Then, then you recognize that and you know, ah, now is fire dissolving into, uh, dissolving into wind. Then the next stage is where wind dissolves into space. Now the body cannot control and the body is, is collapsing. And in particular, 
breath becomes very difficult. It becomes kind of shorter and shorter. It becomes difficult. Uh, the mind, the inner sign is, the mind is no longer agitated, uh, but still very unstable. Uh, emotions are constantly changing, but they're not very strong. They're not very strong. Um, and the secret sign uh, is um, light, but not like the, the lightning uh, before, where it comes on, off, on, off. Here, it's like sources of light you see around. Sources of light. Um, then, the space dissolves into uh, clear light. Space dissolves into clear light. Uh, this clear light is basically our basic nature. When space dissolves into clear light, uh, then mm, breath has stopped. That's the outer sign. So if you put a mirror to the nose, there's no moisture there. Breath has stopped. But they say that's only the outer breath has stopped. Inner breathing continues, meaning the winds are still in operation. But here, okay, so the throat chakra has collapsed into the crown. Now the crown chakra also dissolves. The ground chakra dissolves into space. And now here, you can say that the physical part of dying is more or less complete. Then remember, not only rupa, but nama. So then the mind begins to dissolve. When the mind dissolves, the mind dissolves in three stages, the white, the red, and the black. White is called white appearance, red is called red increase, and black is called black near attainment. White appearance, red increase, black near attainment. Uh, basically here, when we talk about the mind in Buddhist psychology, Mind is not one thing, but mind is talking about mental processes. These mental processes have uh, different types of minds. Hmm? Different types of minds. Um, so the way these different types of minds uh, are divided is that they are basically divided into three types. What are the three types? You have to guess. Minds that are predominantly what, what, and what. <laughs> predominantly what, what, and what. Predominantly based on attachment. Predominantly based on aversion or hatred. Predominantly based on ignorance. So, the three poisons. The three roots of evil. Ignorance, attachment, and aversion. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but I think there are 33 types of minds that are the result of 
aversion. 40 types, that is the result of attachment. And then maybe seven or something like that. Right? That is predominantly uh, ignorance. So under the 33 types of anger are things like impatience. Right? Impatience is a type of mind, right? a mental type that falls under the category of aversion. Uh, I believe like uh, jealousy also falls under that. Uh, so there's all these different types of minds. Yeah. So what happens here is at white appearance, minds associated with anger, they begin to withdraw. And they're not being purified. And the way that we do practice to purify them, here is basically they become dormant. Temporarily, they subside. So first, minds, types of minds, types of emotions associated with anger, they dissolve. And it's called white appearance because at this point, you will have an experience of uh, a whiteness, an all-encompassing whiteness. They say this whiteness is like, um, it's not like the paper whiteness. Um, have you, I'm sure you have experienced this before. It's hard to experience in the city, but if you're out in the country on a full moon night, if there's no clouds in the sky, on a full moon night, if you go outside and it's very dark, but on a full moon night, there is a certain whiteness. There's a certain whiteness that allows you to see most things. So it's, it's the clear, it's the kind of, of light that comes from moonlight. It's very soft. Uh, but it's very clear, uh, especially maybe the, the eight-month full moon, uh, the harvest moon. Uh, if there's no clouds in the sky, uh, there's a certain whiteness that covers blankets everything. They say that's the experience you will have at this point, uh, that whiteness. And then you know, ah, this is because anger is dissolving, all uh, is going dormant. Then the next is the red increase. At that time, the, the experience that the dying person has is uh, right before the sun can be seen on the horizon, uh, there is this reddish glow. So when this haze problem is over, <laughs> temporarily over, of course, Because apparently, our leaders say we should not give more pressure to the Indonesian government. How great our compassion. Uh, when this haze problem is over, and if you can have, uh, you know, you know, like tonight there's no clouds in the, in the sky, and this morning, try to wake up and watch sunrise. 
when it's cloudless, right before the sun actually turns up on the horizon, there is a certain reddish glow. And, and they say that that is the closest to this experience, a red increase, a, this crimson color. And at that time, all attachments, uh, those minds are dissolving as well. But you see, this, this experience of white, and white, incre- uh, white appearance, red increase, is also related to two important uh, energy sources within you moving, one, moving from four fingers below the navel. There's another center there, uh, the Tantian. There, the energy that you receive from your mother, called the red drop. And then, the white energy, the white drop, which is in your crown center, white appearance is related to that energy now traveling down. Traveling down towards your heart. So then you have white appearance. And as the red drop comes up, that's the red increase. When these two meet at the heart, when they come together, that's the black attainment. Then after experiencing the white glow, the red glow, then poof, all dark. That's when the last set of minds become dormant. That's the black near attainment. Why? Because attainment is the next step. And what is that attainment? It's the dawning of the clear light. Clear light. The dawning of the clear light is... mm, now Bardo of dying is finished, then the Bardo of Dharmata, the next Bardo, has begun. The Bardo of Dharmata begins when this dawning of clear light, okay? But this dawning of the clear light is basically our pristine basic nature because all the coarser states of minds have temporarily subsided then in this one moment our pure nature is revealed but for most of us right that happens just like this only the length of one finger snap one finger snap poof gone then in the next moment, what happens? Lose consciousness completely. So sometimes they say that the, 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 the experience of clear light is so strong and so quick that we are completely wiped out. Then complete unconsciousness. That unconsciousness can last about three to three and a half days, they say. Then after the three, three and a half days, then the bardo of dharmata starts. That is when consciousness appears again, now no longer in the body. 
This is when it wanders. Then it encounters all kinds of experiences in the bargain. And so now we are at the fifth. It says, Kiema, now as the barda of Dharmata dawns upon me, Dharmata here means reality, as it is. I will cast aside all fears of fear and panic and instead recognize whatever arises as the self-display of awareness. So instead of reacting with fear and panic as we enter this fifth bardo, Understand that whatever it is that we experience within this fifth bardo is simply the self-display of our awareness. And it's also here that they say you will encounter first the 42 peaceful Buddhas and the 58 wrathful Buddhas. And so here... Then the next line says, right, I will recognize it all to be the nature of the bardo. When the crucial time befalls me, I shall not fear the peaceful and wrathful deities, my self-display. So that means the problem is usually we, we, because we are not familiar with the peaceful and wrathful deities, then when they appear, uh, we will have like kind of panic more basic what we're saying here is when the truth when reality turns up we cannot handle it so we fear now there's some debate actually about this they say does the peaceful and wrathful deities appear to everyone There's some, some, some question like that. Um, Can we really that? It depends, they say. I'm also curious whether it is appear exactly like the, the painting of the Tibetan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, among all the different opinions, uh, here is, I think, a reasonable one, I feel. Whether reasonable to you or not, then who knows. Uh, they say uh, that if you have not actually received the hundred deities empowerment, then you won't see the peaceful and wrathful deities. Uh, you'll see other things. Other things that will also provoke fear uh, and panic. But it's not the 42 peaceful and 58 wrathful. The, the 42 peaceful and 58 wrathful will only take those forms if you have been introduced to them. If you have not been introduced to them, then your fear and your panic will appear in different forms. Then you might say, oh, then better not receive that empowerment. <laughs> but you see, if you don't receive that empowerment, right, then it will just be random fear and panic arising. Then when random fear and panic arising, it's harder for you to say, oh, these are Buddhas. But if you have received the empowerment, then when peaceful forms appear, 
then you can more easily say, ah, these are Buddhas. Then when very rough experiences, so basically, peaceful and wrathful means mild experiences and intense experiences. See, if you have not received the empowerment, you still have mild experiences and intense experiences during this bhagavan. But it's harder for you to say whether it's mild or intense, they are all the display of my own Buddha mind. But if you have received the empowerment, then at this point, if you can remember all the things that you learn at the empowerment, then when mild experiences turn up, you say, ah, that is the five peaceful Buddhas. When intensive experiences arise, you say these are the five groups of wrathful appearances. So having received the empowerment, then you have more tools to recognize that whatever it is that turns up is none other than the display of your own mind. And as some say that the, uh, the different deities will appear in different days or different mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. And then another Muji is my friend says that uh, it depends on how uh, the, the experience of the meditations and then yes. the Shamanta, how we can still mind. If not, it will come like a flip and so fast. And yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So same, right? The same principle of Basically, you have mild and intense experiences. Yeah? If you have great familiarity, if you program your mind so that these experiences appear as the peaceful Buddhas, then you can have a meaningful and successful uh, experience. Uh, if not, it's just random mild things. You know? so, so I think if we understand the, the basic principle again, then we need not get stuck on how many earrings are? Huh? Yeah, <laughs> you know, the Buddha got earrings. Like, uh, and I, I feel that ordinary people will stay by the rough Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. And then, of course, ordinary people, uh, whether it's raffle deities appear or not, uh, then maybe Guthabab, you know, all those things will appear. Then great fear. See, for a practitioner, when the wrathful deity appears, it, it can still be fear. Huh? Because it cannot stand how intense the truth is. But if you are a practitioner, you have, not just practitioner, but you have received the empowerment. By receiving empowerment, I don't mean things have been put in your head. I mean you attended the empowerment and you actually understood what was going on, you, you have, you know, realization during that empowerment, right? so true empowerment, not just ritual empowerment, then when this intense yeah, figures appear, uh, maybe in the first moment you'll still be like, whoa, but in the following moment you're like, ah, that is uh, something that just emerged from the mandala of the mind. And they say the peaceful deities come out from the mandala of the heart. So the idea for then the idea of receiving the, the hundred peaceful wrathful empowerment 
It's so that right now in this life, we're always training to understand that in the center of our heart is 42 peaceful deities. In the center of our crown is always the 58 wrathful deities. That whatever emotions and experiences that I have right now is simply the display of these two sets of Buddhas. And if we can train to recognize, oh, all our experiences that we're having now is simply the display of these two mandalas. So then when we enter into this fifth bardo, then whatever turns up, we can experience them as these two mandalas. So it's actually part of development stage and completion stage practice. Except that in the bardo, the fifth bardo, you're not practicing. It's now happening. And then when it happens, you know how to react to it. So I personally find unreasonable those who say that everyone will see the exact same hundred guys. Um, because no, it's like, you know. If that was the case, somebody would have reported, oh, the Tibetans are right. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's too literal. Yeah. Because in any case, the way the Tibetan paint them is not the way the Indians used to paint them. <laughs> yeah, to sort of make the point, I think, someone like Chong Sai Kian Serenpoche, right? I'm sure some of you have seen, he commissioned a set of 21 Taras that is human-like and looks more Indian than Tibetan. So, some Tibetans say, oh, I don't know. Tara doesn't look like that. <laughs> because their 21 Taras have to be like, you know, the, the ones that Tibetans know, you know. So, Kensei Rinpoche now has like the models based on Indian, yeah, Indian women. So, I'm sure some people are complaining, you know, like, oh, purufa, purufa. <laughs> But he didn't change, you know, what they're holding. <laughs> they're still based on the text huh? holding. So short break is 4:30. Then 15-20 uh, minutes break. Then we can continue and finish the six bars. When we continue, maybe some questions first. Thank you for listening to the Urban Dharma NC podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting our mission to foster a deeper understanding of the teachings of the Buddha, to build meaningful community, and to integrate contemplative teachings into everyday life. We invite you to make a donation online at udharmanc.com or make a purchase at our store, tibetanspirit.com. Thank you. May all beings benefit.